Well, with my homilies, sometimes you win some and sometimes you lose some. Okay, so sometimes, you know, not all of Father Tedeschi's homilies are created equal here, okay? So I'm going to take a risk. I might, this what might bomb. You let me know afterwards, okay? If it's too abstract, if it's not, if it's not connected enough, but, you know, so I take a little risk every once in a while and I have these thoughts and they might not be perfectly formulated, but I, I put them out there for your consideration. You tell me how I do afterwards. So I'm listening to an audio book. I'm listening to a book on audio called, uh, it's by Neil Postman and it's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And uh, the premise of the book is is absolutely genius. Highly, highly. I don't, I don't just recommend books all the time just because I'm listening to them or reading them. But but this one is, I think is very culturally significant. Uh, one of the things that that he's trying to get across in the book is that the form of media and communication uh, determines, or at least has an incredibly strong bearing uh, on the content of what's delivered. Okay. So when our, in the United States of America, when the primary uh, form of media communication was printed word and written, the, that affected the content. The content was higher quality. Whereas, uh, in the television age, and he's writing this book in the 80s. Imagine how it is now, right, with the internet and everybody and their brother can get on a, a blogos, get into the blogosphere and just kind of sound off, you know, their personal opinions, people from the other side of the world and, you know, making really quick judgment calls on the basis of these little factoids that have just been launched off yesterday and all of this kind of stuff. How much more confusing is it now than it was in the TV age, you know, because we're past the TV age. But in any event, in contrast to the print culture, you have the TV culture. Now you've got, again, even after Postman wrote this book, you've got the you got the Internet culture. And so what he's saying, though, in the TV culture, and it's all the more now, is uh, the, the content, I'm sorry, the form of media really determines the content, or at least has a very strong bearing on what the content is. The, the content is just low quality, very, very low quality. And it appeals to, because it's so visual, it appeals to more of your instincts and your emotions and not your reason. And uh, so, and everything's quick. Because, see, reason takes time. You have to reflect. You have to think. And that takes time. There is a whole dimension to reason that's very much a contemplative kind of, it's, it's a little bit like prayer. And prayer takes time. You know, you don't go, Hail Mary, Father Christ, Lord, read the Lord. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> right? That's not spending quality time with the Lord. So thought and contemplation and, and prayer, uh, and the exercise of our spiritual faculties take time. And uh, that's the TV culture is not conducive to that because it's so quick and it appeals to the visual, the, the eyes and not the ears. Okay, And all throughout the Bible, the Lord is always saying, listen, 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 listen. Okay, And, you know, it goes so far even in the Old Testament to basically banish any kind of images of God. All right. So we are to apprehend God through faith, but faith comes through hearing. Okay, So... This kind of transition to the TV age has kind of handicapped people, their spiritual faculties, their reason, and their sense of uh, the, the necessity as human beings to put hard work and time into understanding the world, things like that. The other interesting element of this book, then I'm going to tie I'm going to tie this into our readings today, is the the issue of the TV age, all the more so now in the, in the internet age, delivering news and information, quote unquote information to us that is not actionable. 
It's not, it's not relevant to our immediate lived contexts. Okay? Because it's news from literally outside of our context. So if someone tells me news about uh, what a politician did in France or what the Pope did in somewhere, you know, out in Italy, in a lot of ways I don't have the ability, it's contextless news. I don't have the ability to make an accurate judgment call upon it because it's, I'm not there. And so often you got this kind of disembodied information that's kind of floating out there and the meaning and the truth value of it is extremely hard to discern. Whereas now if it was something within our lives, so Postman in his book talks, he, he sh- covers the history of advertisement. Advertisements in the 1820s and 1830s in America used to be things like this. First of all, they were, they were in newspapers that were printed locally and they were about local things and they were relevant to, you know, so if you're in a farming community, someone says, I have a plot of land and some machinery and, and on this land there's a barn and I have that to sell. If anybody wants to come and look at that, they can do that. It's like, wow, that's really relevant to me as a farmer. It's immediately, and I can make a judgment call. I can go and kind of test it out and see. I can hear what other people are saying. And I can make a judgment call because that piece of news has got all of these kinds of tentacles that come back to me that are attached to me. Whereas news that's from the other side of the world, it's contextless. And it's extremely difficult to really know the truth of the matter one way or the other. I found it very interesting in this book. They, they quoted, uh, it was, um, he's an inventor and his last name is Morse. You know, the Morse code. I can't remember his first name, maybe William. But when this gentleman, Mr. Morse, when he invented the telegraph, it was very interesting. The first uh, use of the telegraph was in 1844. And it was like this kind of demonstration that they did. And they, they telegraphed news from Washington, D.C. to like, I don't know, California or something like that. And, it was a very interesting thing. It was like this big triumph of science and technology. And Mr. Morse, he said, we have annihilated space. Isn't that interesting? We have annihilated space. You know? And I think the, the technocratic mind is so focused on space and because it's what you can see. It's what you, what's in the immediate and the here and the now. And if I can dominate space... But that's not how the Lord operates with us. He, the Lord operates in terms of time, okay? And, you know, we, I think it was yesterday we heard from our gospel, a very interesting parable, where the Lord gives the analogy of the kingdom of God like leaven or like a seed, okay? And it puts, you know, the leaven goes into the bread, and that takes time, and it works itself out. And so also the seed is planted and it grows and it grows and it's got to be nurtured and watered and it takes time. I love that, I love there's a little story, it's kind of a famous little story. When the state of Israel was being established and all of these different Jewish people from all over the world were, were, um, immigrating there. And, uh, there was this one guy, he's a rabbi, you know, and he's planting this tree and the, and the news reporter says, what are you, what are you doing with this tree? Like you're planting it. How long is that going to take to bear fruit? And he says, this probably won't bear fruit until like maybe 60 years from now. And the person's like, why are you planting it then? Well, he says, it's going to be for my grandchildren. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's the biblical wisdom. It thought, thinks long term, you know. And we have Paul today. I mean, if you think about how long term Paul's vision is, it's amazing. Those he predestined. Okay, so what is it to be predestined in God's mind? That's an idea in God's mind from eternity. All of us have existed, not in reality, but in God's mind 
from eternity. Those he predestined, he calls. And God's vocation works out in our lives over a long period of time. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. We're not going to be glorified until the end of time. (laughs) That's a huge span across which our spiritual lives are actualized. Span of time, not space. You know? Can you imagine that? I mean, someone could grow up in a little village and literally never move outside of a, a radius of five miles. You know? Born here, work there, marry there, die and be buried here. All within a space of five miles. And yet, in God's mind, that person's vocation is spread across eternity, from eternity to from the beginning of time to the end of time. Isn't that amazing? So God's grace and his operation in our life works slowly in time. And whenever Jesus speaks, that what he gives to us, his news, so to speak, is actionable. It's relevant. It's, con- it's, it's immediately relevant to the context we live in. It's not disembodied pieces of information that get reduced to entertainment, right? And so often we want entertainment. We want, we want to hear something that we actually don't have to act upon. <laughs> we just want to be entertained. That's what entertainment is. Entertainment is the, um, the, the, the quintessence of irrelevancy. Okay? And uh, that's not what Jesus is all about. So in our gospel today, for example, when he, when he gives us this news about, he says, many will try to enter into the narrow gate, and, and, but few will actually do it. Okay? And so therefore, that piece of information is really relevant to us. That What that says to us is that we've got to plan ahead. We've got to have a goal of entering that narrow gate. And every single step of our life should be determined with that ultimate goal in mind. So it's incredibly relevant to pretty much every moment of our life, in the here and the now. Uh, so for Jesus, he doesn't give us disembodied news that's just kind of floating out there. We, it's got no relevance to our immediate concrete context in our lives. He's always speaking what is so perfectly actionable for all of us in the here and the now. And he's patient with us, and he asks us to go the long haul, and not to be superficial people who are just looking to be entertained, but to hear and to listen, and to think, and to pray, and to work, and to be patient, and to go the long haul. That's, that's those, it's those people who will, who will enter into eternal life. And, uh, it's those people who will realize that wonderful vision that Jesus is giving us. He said, many will come from the south, from the north, and from the east, and the west, and they'll be gathered into that final kingdom of God, and they'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, at, the, at the table of the kingdom of God. If you think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I mean, they were people who lived in great patience. They lived, they, they traveled long distances. They were shepherds. They, I mean, they had, a, they built tents. You know, this was, they weren't checking their iPhones, you know, for the latest news, you know. <laughs> they were, they were people who were in, in touch with nature and reality and they, uh, were thoughtful and prayerful. People and it's those those people who are the paradigm for all of those who will be saved and come together in that one amazingly happy uh, conclusion to all the end of time. And so, let's let's uh, listen to Jesus's good news and uh, let's act on it with great patience um, and uh, with great uh, perseverance.